0: Welcome to another and our first Extra Time episode of the Blues Brothers podcast, a show that discusses all things football and of course Chelsea FC, made by the fans for the fans. I'm George Harris and joined as ever by co-host Charlie Patrick and today we welcome another very special guest. Currently living stateside as an NBC studio host for the Premier League and Olympic Games, we are delighted to welcome Rebecca Lowe to the show. Hi Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Hi realised.
1: how are you doing? Sorry, I'm losing. Little bag. can you hear
0: me now looks beautiful where you are and we're so grateful that you're here uh to share with us today with the fans um i know we're pushed for time so to kick things off rebecca we just wanted to know um football or soccer should i say out in the states how is it perceived out there and the premier league as a model in particular because i know you obviously do a lot of work uh on the telly for the premier league i mean does it get as much traction and following um from the fans and what they think about the season currently
1: It's massive, guys. I'm not going to lie. When I first moved here eight and a half years ago, um, I wasn't really sure what I was walking into. I wasn't sure if there was going to be many viewers. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a thing. And when I first arrived, I was surprised at the amount of fans, at the viewing figures and also the depth of knowledge, which I would go so far as to say is as good as fans base in the UK, if not better at times. And a lot of that's to do with if you're a Premier League fan in America, you have to really work hard over the last 20 or so years to be a fan. And so let's say you're a Chelsea fan, you've got to be committed. You can't just be a a sort of fair weather Chelsea fan. You've got to, you've got to know your club and you've got to work at knowing your club and look to where all the, all the games are being on each weekend over the course of the last 10 to 20 years. So these fans really know their stuff. Um, So it, was when i first arrived now here we are in 2021 and we're breaking records a lot during the season in terms of well over a million viewers um we have these fan fests which i'm about to do one in la is going to be amazing where i think the last one that we had booked was in philadelphia just as the pandemic started so we had to cancel it but we had twenty six thousand people who were going to come to the to the fan fest and all that is is like us taking the show on the road and putting on a load of fun of things around the show and that's just that it's not even a live game of football there was twenty six thousand people coming um before the pandemic hit we've done them in boston we've done them in new york washington austin miami beach so we're now heading to la and we're expecting thousands again so to answer your question i see football shirts everywhere Um, when i first arrived it was sporadic now it's a weekly thing if not a daily thing
2: would you say like then obviously because the big things over in america you know the nfl the nba probably major league baseball as well would you say that it's kind of are those still the dominant ones in america or would you say the premier league is now kind of sort of working its way up to being that kind of level
1: I think, Charlie, it's working its way. It's definitely not. I mean, the NFL is like a a juggernaut that you Mm. ain't stopping anytime soon. Um, The NBA is a little lower underneath NFL. And then you've got Major League Baseball, which I would say is the most traditional of American sports. It's the oldest, I think. And it's sort of maybe a generational thing. That is not really attracting the kids. Baseball isn't really um, packed stadiums full of like eight-year-olds. They all want to watch the soccer. Um, or football, I should say, um, ice hockey is the fourth, but I would say the Premier League challenges ice hockey. So I would say it's getting up there as the fourth most what's well, definitely the fourth most popular, I think, sport in the States. Uh, it's the most played sport in the States and parents love it, of course, because there's very little problems with, um, head injuries like there is with the NFL and kids playing American football. is really, t- really like, Oh, I-, I have a five-year-old boy and I'm not putting my five-year-old boy anywhere near American football. Thanks. Um, so I think it's, it's, getting there, boys but it's really going to take it's going to take a generation so all of the kids now that I see playing football all are all wearing premier league shirts like the eight-year-olds and the nine-year-olds the 10-year-olds But when they get to like 28 that's when I think a real shift will happen I think it's a little shift has happened and it's continuing but give it another 20 years it's going to be a slow burn but it's going to get up there because it's the world's sport I mean we can't get away from it everywhere else absolutely loves it and America I've always said when it starts to wake up to football it's going to be a beast and it is starting to wake up now for sure
0: i mean the states is such a powerhouse in terms of sports and we see a lot of american owners who are invested in in premier league sides i mean could you could you ever see because i've seen the traction you know the, the news going around could you ever see the premier league fixtures ever being in america because we've obviously had the nba at the o2 arena in london we've had NFL fixtures at Wembley and, and more recently at the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I mean, could you really see Premier League fixtures being played out in the States? And would that be the next step, do you think, in getting people on side in the, in the States?
1: I think, George, fixtures, plural, probably not. Fixture, Maybe. One or two, maybe. And it's all down to money. I mean, let's be honest. It's all about money. So if the American owners decide that's the route they want to take, then they'll do it. And they'll, and they'll. by the way, all you need is 14. I think it is 14 to six vote in the Premier League in terms of ownership. And we're getting up to 14 American owners at this rate. So American owners are starting to take over. And then you're going to see that become a possibility. I think we're quite a way away from it. I think obviously football in England is much more... <laughs> traditional it's more it's like a religion as we know and to do that to the fans I think is going to take a lot I mean I, I really think you know you saw what happened with the Super League you saw when Richard Scudamore mentioned the 39th game got 10 years ago I think he, he got lambasted for it because football is just such a tradition it's so old-fashioned in so many ways whereas in this country the NBA the NFL the MLB I mean these clubs move cities like literally move cities and then they like expect the new fans like so if you're a fan of I think it's the LA Rams. It might be the LA Rams. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a team down in the South of California anyway. They've now moved to Las Vegas. And it's like, well, what happens to all those fans? So that's just a thing in America. They, they can do that. They move cities. It's a bit random, to be honest. Um, but you could obviously, can you imagine, oh, Man United are moving to London. I mean, it's just never going to happen. So the viewpoint in America is different from England. We do look at, they do look at things differently. So they would see nothing wrong with having a Premier League game here. But I think English fans would see a lot wrong. So I think that would be a big battle ahead.
2: And you mentioned, obviously, there's quite a lot of American owners in the Premier League now, you know, the likes of the Cronkies at Arsenal, got FSG at Liverpool, etc. What is it, do you think, that attracts like American businessmen to a Premier League football club? Because a lot of them are often multiple owners, you know, in terms of they will own an NFL club and then they go and buy a Premier League team. What is it about a Premier League team that is attractive to these businessmen?
1: it's interesting i think it's the thrill because we have a division where there's relegation and even though i know united and liverpool are probably not going to be ever relegated ever it's still a thrill that they don't have in America. That's one of the things. The other thing is that if you're an owner of an NFL team, you can trade players, but it's not, it's not like it is where you can buy and sell players in the UK. So you can make money. I mean, let's be honest, you can make money out of football. It doesn't happen very often and it certainly doesn't happen mid-table. But if you're buying a top 10 team, you can make money. So it's cynical view, but I think money is a big thing and it's a, it's a real toy that you can play with um there's so many restrictions in NFL and NBA and MLB that doesn't make it as easy as flexible but if you're an owner of a football club you're basically the king aren't you let's be honest you can do what you can literally do what you want as we've seen um and that's why a lot of them get into trouble but from a billionaire's perspective wow I mean how fun is that it's just so fun
2: (laughs) and in terms of um you know the Super League obviously didn't go down well um a lot of you know, fans in England, particularly like Arsenal fans, not not don't particularly like the Cronkies at all. United fans have, over the years, generally been quite anti the Glazers until they bring Ronaldo back and it's all right for a little while. But, you know, what's the American fans, like American Premier League fans, how do they look at these Americaners? They look at them in the same way that the British fans do? Or do you say there's a slightly different look, a uh, different perspective on it?
1: I think it's a slightly different perspective, Charlie, to be honest. I think that they... A lot of the American fans listen to their British counterparts and understand their gripes, especially, say, the United fans. I had a lot of messages from American-based United fans who were angry, are very angry with um, the ownership and the Glazers but they're not quite as fervently angry because they don't I don't think they feel it affects them quite as much as it affects the British based fan and also it goes back to this religion really that football is I mean you you know you cut us all open we we bleed our club's colors and I think that that is a very English thing um the American fan. this is a perfect example for you when we do a fan fest guys it's you know there's beer there's all sorts going on and You've got Chelsea fans next to West Ham fans, next to United fans, next to Liverpool fans, next to Leeds fans, and they're all loving each other. There's no um, animosity. They don't have the American Premier League fan doesn't have that edge that the British Premier League fan has just through culture. You know, it's like going to an NFL team. You don't chant like you do in England, so it's a really different culture. So from that perspective, they don't they don't really have the anger in them that they're not. They understand. They understand. I'm not. I'm not excusing what some owners have done, but they. American Premier League fans understand the cultural difference that I think is the problem, mainly when you look at some of the owners. But the American Premier League fans get it because they're American. So they're not as angry about it. Do you see what I mean?
0: Mm. We've probably, we probably should have done this first, Rebecca, but um, can you just give us a little insight for the fans listening today about your journey? Because you obviously came from the UK, moved to the States and have now got into the presenting world I mean just give uh if you could a screenshot for people who may be looking to get into presenting and and why you chose to move to the states and and how that's worked out for you
1: yeah sure I mean screenshot is uh graduated from university wanted to be an actress and I entered a competition so I'm just to do this I entered a competition which was run by the BBC in 2002 and the prize was a six-month contract on football focus match of the day and final score as a reporter for six months and I we always loved football my dad took me to Southhouse Park growing up and I'm a massive Palace fan so I was doing trying to get an agent trying to be an actress and my friend said to me oh look it was literally on the back of a cornflakes packet right this competition she's like you love football why don't you apply I was like well I'm never gonna win that I'm a girl I'm a woman it's like 2002 we're still in the dark ages. Anyway, I did apply. And back then, luckily for me, BBC were starting to be quite politically correct. And I won. And so then I was like, Oh, okay, well, that's a six month contract on Football Focus. I can't turn that down. I guess I'll give it a go. So I, I, I started my career as a 21 year old fresh out of uni and I was on final score within five weeks reporting live from Nottingham Forest against Reading. And I was like, oh my God, this is so hard, I hate this. But I stayed and I carried on and I ended up doing um, Radio 5 Live. I was about three or four years on Football Focus and final score, Radio 5 Live, BBC News 24 went to Satanta Sports to do the what was called the Blue Square Premier, which is now the National League, I think, as a pitch side reporter and FA Cup presenter. And then I went to ESPN UK and I was the pitch side reporter for the Premier League coverage. And I presented the FA Cup final for them and all the under-21 games. And then I was kind of fed up and I was kind of thinking, I think I've just, it wasn't really changing for women. And I was struggling yeah. against a lot of the problems that I, I experienced, whether it be the fans or some managers, uh, various things which were making it hard to be a woman in football. So I was very close to giving up. And then my agent called me out of the blue in the final year of my contract with ESPN and said, are you sitting down? And I was like, yes. And he said, well, I've just had a call from NBC. They've won the rights to the Premier League and they want me to fly over and talk about you moving to America to present it. And I literally, chaps, literally fell off my chair. I was like, I'm sorry, what? You mean as a pitch side reporter? He said, no, 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 as a presenter uh okay so uh that the rest is history I moved over in 2013 my husband was actually manager of Luton Town at the time he just taken Luton to the fifth round of the FA Cup and like he was doing brilliantly and I was like really sorry and he left he resigned as manager of Luton and came with me which is amazing um and we've been here ever since and I'm we live in California and it's beautiful and life's pretty good and you know it's weird though you can come very close to giving up and then something happens and changes your life forever
2: it certainly looks like a great life out there. Just one last thing I wanted to ask before we wrap up. You mentioned an important point there about, you know, how women in foot working in football, you know, it's been quite daunting in the past, quite hard, a lot of issues to overcome. It's great to see now that there's been a real push and there's a lot more women, you know, reporting, working on the men's game, et cetera. We've got you know, the likes of Ian Wright championing the women's game as well. Um, how, how difficult has it been, you know, um, as a woman working in football? And how much better is it now? And how much further do you feel we still have to go? It's
1: a really good question. Um, It's been really difficult. I would say um, that is the reason why I came very close to to giving up without a doubt. Um, Because in 2012, when I was having these thoughts about leaving, that's a long time ago, guys. It's nearly 10 years ago. And we've come very far in 10 years. In the landscape, when I was the pitch side reporter, so it was Jeff Shreves for Sky and me for ESPN, and there was Gabby Logan and there was Claire Tomlinson and there was Jackie Oatley. And then that was basically it. And it was tough. And I had many times where I was, I mean, the, the abuse from the stands was the worst. I mean, I remember one game at, at the Emirates uh, Arsenal against Leeds in the FA Cup. It was the game. I remember when, you guys are probably too young, but uh, Thierry Henry came back and re-signed for Arsenal um, oh, yeah. for like a random six months. And he played his first game back. And it was that game in the FA Cup. I think it was the, FA Cup, the fifth round or something. And he scored. Anyway, our pitch side desk was right in front of the Leeds fans. Great. Let's let's do our pitch side <laughs> desk in front of 6,000 traveling Leeds fans. And I had hot dog thrown at my head, a coin. I had, I mean, what was? I was with Robbie Savage. And this gives you an example. It was Robbie Savage and Martin Keogh. And the abuse that I was taking from the fans was so bad that even Robbie Savage said to me, "Are you okay? Like, are you okay? This is bad." I was like, "Yeah, I know. Welcome to my world. Like, this is just horrible, guys." So there was that. Plus, there was this the there was a generation of managers who are not really there anymore, or if they are, they've improved. I have to say, um, who just didn't didn't respect me at all. Asked to see my questions before I'd interview them. Asked, told me that I couldn't ask some questions. Told me what I could ask and what I couldn't ask. It was it was really tough. Um, so that was really hard. Having said that, when I look back now, when I look at England now, I can't believe it. I cannot believe how much it's changed. There's so many women. It's incredible. I feel like, I hope I played some part in allowing those doors to be opened. And I was actually one of the founder members of women in football, which is now a huge thing in the UK. I was one of the founding members at at pizza express in central London back in like 2004 with all these, with a handful of women. And I think that that's an institution now that really helps women get into football and stay in football. Um, But it has been really hard. I'm glad I stuck stuck at it. This country is different. I would say this country is different. There are, there are more women on television because there are more mainstream sports and there are more networks. And so it's not as weird to see females working in sport, but there aren't that many hosts, presenters. There are a lot of reporters. I would like them to see more hosts. I would like, I want to make sure, and I really feel passionately that, you know, we give the women opportunities who are good, you know, who are good enough. You know, let's not, just do it because they're women. I don't want a job because I'm a woman. I want a job because I'm good enough to do the job. Otherwise, you're taking the whole thing backwards if you start doing reverse discrimination. So I'm really, really passionate about that. I mentor about five women, both in the UK and the US. So I'm really trying to help women come through and come through with the what I believe is the right advice on how to be a woman in this in this industry. Because it isn't easy. It's getting better. But we've still got... Uh, for me, I have a stepson who's 24. And he grew up watching the likes of Gabby Logan. So it's not weird for him to see women on, the fo- on television, but he's only 24. Once my stepson's generation gets to like the chief exec age, so like 55, I think that's when that change might happen. So for me, we're still at least another generation away from it being where it should be.
2: No, it's a fascinating insight. Just one final thing. If people you know want to find out more about your work, um, follow more of the stuff that you do, where's the best place for them to go and check you out?
1: Well, I'm not a massive social media fan. I did get pressurized finally into joining Instagram. So I am on Instagram. My handle is Rebecca Low TV. Um, and that I guess I do do a little bit of that. Other than that, guys, you can't really find me. So yeah, Instagram is the way forward. Rebecca Low TV. That's where I am. I try to remain kind of off there a little bit because it can take over your life. Um, but that is where I do a lot of behind the scenes at, on the show and Olympics and all different stuff. So yeah, that's where it is.
0: What an inspiring story to finish on as well, Rebecca. So thank you so much. Any any female listeners out there are listening to the podcast and, and want to get into broadcasting, presenting, particularly in sport, then Rebecca, you are the uh, pinnacle of that. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we hope to speak to you again soon in greater length, perhaps on another episode. But um, my thanks as always to Charlie Patrick, co-host, special guest, Rebecca Lowe, and uh, I've been your host, George Harris, today. So thank you for tuning into the Blues Brothers podcast for yet another episode.
2: Well, thanks very much.
1: Thank you, guys. That Thanks, coming.
2: Cheers. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it.
1: No worries. Send me um. A tag me on. In- you guys are on Instagram because you're yeah. young and happening. So tag me on Instagram and then I can, you know, like repost it and stuff.
2: Yeah, wicked. Thanks very much. Cheers. Take care. Um, yes. No Saturday.
1: worries. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.